Hello, people of Earth, and welcome to Wanna Watch AEW, where we ask, hey, you wanna get to the first match already? Oh, yeah, man, we got time limits here, yeah, so no, first match, no, tag no team intro. match, no set intro. for This set is for already taking call. too long. Yeah. Leech Bro, they've, get, they've get already, with... no, I think we're already at the sequel. Get on with it. Right. <laughs> welcome to Wanna Watch AEW, where we ask, hey, you want to watch AEW? Yes. Very, very quickly without any intro whatsoever. <laughs> this week was really interesting in that there was absolutely no cold open. There was absolutely no opening dynamite yeah, know, intro it was, video. It went right. No, in, no entrances for the wrestlers in the first match. We'll get to start it, the show. Yeah, it was colder than the weather in Canada. Right yeah, now. University of Pittsburgh, October 23rd, 2019. Uh, yeah, so there was no no dynamite intro this week, but before we get to Mr. Justin Roberts, uh, Ramen, yeah, can you give us a rundown on BTE? Yes, the BTE for last week before uh, this episode. Um, it was a pretty funny one. There's quite a few segments uh, involved, so I'll run through them pretty a little quickly. The first one is an ongoing gimmick where Nick is trying to get new merch made for the bucks and matt is kind of against it he's he's so against the the corporateness of it and we used to be about the the team and he doesn't want to make bucks bucks no he doesn't want to make bucks bucks which is as if like daring the audience to buy their merch <laughs> like it's so tongue in cheek. don't make him make the merch yeah guys. um and nick has a new shirt that's uh, blue with a yellow lightning bolt and matt is furious then we move on to a, I'm presumably like an arcade or a rec room. Yeah, it looked like it looked like a rec room or something. Yeah, uh, where Jack Evans and Angelico are playing air hockey against a private party, and they are are a bunch of marks <laughs> and do uh, their wrestling moves on each other in the arcade before scoring an air hockey move. I think the the private party did a silly string. On the ra- on a railing, and then got their air hockey, and then um, they played a little basketball where they tried to do that. Sure. Uh, Jack Evans hit and sells a very light uh, hit to the shoulder with by a basketball. It's pretty funny. It's the best selling he's ever done. Um, <laughs> and uh, probably because of the lighting in there is so dim. It's true. Um, yeah, you can't see how old he looks. Uh, <laughs> so that was the end of that segment, and then we go to. Uh, outside of the Philly Arena, I think like the, the night before the show, maybe because it's dark out, uh, and so it's Joey Janela at like a with the camera at like a kind of a forty-five degree angle, like it's a nineties MTV like Attitude <laughs> Era style. Like I'm outside the arena with the fans. And he's I'm a sign. He's a bad, bad boy, <sighs> and he's got even with the like wife beater and the hat on and everything, and he. Says, oh, someone tweeted me saying that, hey, Joey, come outside to the, of the arena during the signing and sign my wife's tits. Uh, it actually said titties. Sign my wife's titties, titties with two Ds? Yes, which is important for what <laughs> is about to happen. Oh, but shit. It's, but the tweet said uh, there's, a, there's a catch. So they DM'd each other, and then it shows the woman <clears throat> coming up to the railing. Sure. Uh, tits out. Do you see, like, full-on No, no, titties? no nips. No nips. It's no YouTube. Nips. You can't monetize nips. Um, Free the nap. I agree, but uh, in any case, so she brings up the bosom, I guess, the cleave, the, the great cleave. He signs, I'm pregnant on it, 
And then she turns around, and the guy, the boyfriend, I guess, or husband, is going to take a photo, reads it, and gives the look that almost every guy who's surprised with a public pregnancy uh, gives, which is, oh, oh Jesus fuck. Christ, my life is over. Oh, my God, don't don't sell it. Don't sell it. Don't sell it. Don't sell it. So he, so he hugs her. Right. The only and then, appropriate but no one, reaction no one else for, like, knows what's going on, so Joey very quickly realizes, oh, hey, guys, she's pregnant, and everybody Oh, here. okay. <laughs> so it's not. No, it's not like no one else knew other than. <laughs> Other than her and oh, him. Oh, man, that's a really yeah. awkward public moment. Right. Uh, then we cut to some post-matches from last week. We get a very brief shot of Hawk getting his fingers checked out, and he tells the camera to fuck off. Then we go to Jurassic Express, who are disappointed from their loss to the Lucha Bros last week. And uh, guess who cuts the promo but Luchasaurus. We were talking about this privately the other day that I was like, this guy can cut a promo. Mm. You'd never so heard him not, speak so before. A promo on, on BT? Maybe I should go watch that. It's, it's less of a promo and more of them like talking to each other, but he's like, you know, don't give up, guys. He's he got, basically he's got gives lines. Like a, yeah, he gives a pep talk where he's like, cool. if we keep to, our, to who we are and like keep uh, pushing forward, we will never fail, which is... Pretty, pretty, I, uh, uh, you know, not maybe ironic given where they all are now, where Jack, where, uh, Jack is an actual heel. Luchasaurus is not even Luchasaurus anymore, well. and, and Marco is <laughs> gone from the company. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, as they walk away, Luchasaurus gives tells Marco, "I think it's time," and he gives him his own little, uh, dinosaur mask. Aww, cute. Yeah, cute. Then we cut to a clip of Painmaker with makeup, uh, looking at a TV, watching a promo that he did last week about Ortiz and Santana. Uh, he's watching himself do yes. a promo? he's watching a different face of Jericho. Oh. One face watching another face. Interesting. It's not a loop, it's a spiral. Um, <laughs> then we go to a segment where uh, Cutler is in the back looking on his phone, and Sammy Guevara comes up to him. And this is where Sammy was still kind of a, a shit he was like a real he was like 20 21 yeah he's a little fucking yeah he's a little fucker with his goddamn blog that i never watched sure uh because i feel like it would be insufferable but um yeah we don't have to commit that much no no this podcast yeah (laughs) um but yeah so sammy basically comes around and just insults cutler for losing a match where he was about to win and then uh slipped off the top rope now this is going to come up in a uh, intersect with a later segment, so I will save that. Interesting. Uh, but basically, he just makes fun of Cutler for failing and then losing. Then I have a segment that's titled here, God and Death Have a Chat. Oh. Where uh, Kenny is in the Elite's locker room, and he's on the couch when Hangman is about to leave. And he tells Hangman to stay for a second and sit next to him. And he gives Hangman a, a pep talk. And he's like, you know, I also lost a pack, it's, it's, and I've been distracted with all this Moxley stuff. And it really sucked, but, you know, you he gives basically the Luchasaurus pep talk. He's like, as long as we're all still a team and the elite are all together, like, everything's going to be okay. And Hangman very, like, clearly doesn't even want to digest it. He's just like, yeah, okay, yeah, you're right, yeah. He's just... He's just ready to fuck off. Like, he's he's in another place mentally. Disconnected. Yeah. Why do you call him death? Is it because well, of the, the disconnection? Hangman. No, the or hangman. hangman. Oh, I yeah, see. I was just being, I was just oh. being you know. Um... <laughs> I was like, wait, is it? It's not that deep, you know? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, it definitely is. Gotcha. Um, then we cut back to the Young Bucks, where a wild Dana appears. Ooh. Former head of merchandising de- debuts on BTE for us, anyway, with uh, telling Matt that she has Young Bucks beach towels, which Matt is 
hates. He Whoa. just he's so sick of the new merch. But Nick, being a merch freak, loves it. Uh, and Dana even says they have flip flops. Oh my We're, god! Which to which Nick says we're gonna take all of Matt Riddle's merch money. <laughs> which is funny considering he's he's like adamantly dropping that gimmick now. I want to be able to step on their faces. Is that the is that the part of the flip flop? No, no. <laughs> let's let's leave that fetish outside of that. Let's not intersect that with podcast. Matt feels like no one would wear these, as if daring the audience again. Nick says, "Oh yeah." Look down, because you're wearing them. And then Matt looks down, and as if by merch magic, flip-flops are on his feet. Magic. Yeah. Is it some sort of time wizard? I don't know. It's, it's, it, it will come up. That, hold on to the word wizard and merch together. It's, it'll, it'll go somewhere. Great. Um, I love that. And then finally, we get a vlog from Kenny in Mexico after beating Phoenix for the AAA oh, and Mega Championship. nice, yeah. He says he wishes the Bucks were with him, but uh, he's not completely alone as Atlas Security was supposed to send someone with him. And then he, the cameraman tells him, no, no, no one's coming from Atlas, actually. Uh, it's someone else. And he's like, who? And as he says it, he goes to open the door of his uh, hotel room, and the handle is flicked with baby oil. Ooh. And he says, oh, no, no, it can't be. And he opens the door, and it's Michael Nakazawa who no one knows who that, like, I had no idea uh-huh. who this was. Um, but he is, you know, you've probably seen him here or there because you've seen Kenny as a heel, and he's part of the, like, BCE crew. Oh, is he, like, a manager type he's, character? I don't know. Or... He'll, he'll come out with Cutler. He used to come out with Cutler sometimes where he'd be, like, the producer, so he'd have, like, the headset and the khaki pants <laughs> and the black shirt. But the gimmick at this point was that he... Uh, put baby oil on everything, which is why Cutler slipped off the top rope. Oh. And there will be more and instances as, of this. And even though he's not necessarily the producer, no. he's manipulating. Right, but he's just doing it because he likes baby oil. Right. So the next morning, uh, they go to the breakfast buffet, and you see Kenny getting his French toast, and he puts you know a little honey and a little jam on it and moves on. Delicious. Excellent. A good Canadian. And then, he, then you see Nakazawa come up to it, and he puts his it on and he looks at all the dippings and he's like, no. And he pulls out a bottle of baby oil and he sprays it on oh. it and he eats it. I don't think it's a bottle of baby oil. It's probably not real baby no, oil. No, I'm sure it's edible because they I have feel like to the mouthfeel of baby oil would just be so like gross and weird. And, like, and then we get to the end of the, the AAA match where Kenny comes back to the back and he's like all sweaty and Nakazawa has a, has a monster energy and he's like, are you ready? And he's like, yeah, man. And so Nak like shakes it as if to spray it on him, oh, and then yeah. he closes his eyes, and instead he hits him with baby oil. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> gross! I know. Uh, I hate that, all of that. I, hate I don't want to watch I know, that. It's disgusting. This is why you preview BTE sure, for me. Sure. I'll watch the cool segments and skip the ones that with involve baby oil? baby oil and food. Ugh, baby oil. Um, and that is all of BTE for this week. Yeah, so a bit of storytelling intertwined with silly skits. Um, the stuff with Kenny and Hangman, you know, dealing with Hangman's mental state and how he's feeling after beating, being losing to Pac and losing the, uh, the world title match, and you know where he's where he's at right now mm-hmm. is very disconnected from the elite who don't really either are not acknowledging it or are a little too busy to really fully deal with it. Sure. I mean, yeah, the young bucks are too busy being heels and trying to make money or what have you. What win have the tag you. titles. Actually, win the tag right? titles as and well. Then, and then Kenny is dealing with Moxley and Pac. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, so there's quite a bit going on there. 
and that is awesome EP. Well, let's get into it. As mentioned, we got a freezing cold open to Very start the chilly. show. Um, you know, no dynamite intro this week. We cut straight to the ring where Justin Roberts introduces Private Party and Lucha Bros for the uh semifinals in the tag yes. team tournament. Yes, the first of two semifinal matches tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, now that we as now as we record this podcast, we have just experienced the first Continental Classic mm-hmm. tournament that culminated in World's End 2023, which is interesting to reflect on considering this is AEW's first real foray into tournaments, which is kind of their their biggest like shtick, I guess you could call it. Sure. Like their di- biggest alternative to WWE is lots of tournaments. Yes. Everything is marriage-based. And here we are, episode four, in the semifinals of the tag team tournament. Yes. Uh, they spent four years getting the audience acclimated to tournaments right. before before doing their own G1. And I think it was pretty successful. I, no, I agree. No, I, the I enjoyed Classic it. was a huge success. Yeah, World's and we had a fun time at World's End. Yes, that was a great, yeah. a great uh, pay-per-view. Uh, this 2019 storyline is also mirroring last week's Dynamite in 2024 because Private Party just re-debuted yes. and said that they want to win the tag titles. And tonight, on this episode, they're facing the Lucha Bros in the semifinals for the tag titles. Yeah, and recall that Private Party beat the Young Bucks two weeks ago. Yes. And the Lucha Bros brothers beat Jurassic Express last week. So, this matches to see who goes to the finals, part one. Yes. We start with Phoenix and Quinn in the ring. Both of them show off their talents and athleticism, uh, both doing mirroring head scissors and kicks and lariats. But Quinn gets the best of Phoenix with a drop kick. I will say that from the jump, the pace of this match is genuinely mm. like too fast. Yes, and it it does not ever relent. It's they were like they were like go go go. Yeah, let's make every second of this count for nine moves. Fenix comes back with a strike of his own and then knocks Isaiah Cassidy from the apron to try and isolate Quinn. The Lucha Bros isolate him, but he gets a high-angle double drop kick to avoid them. Yeah, and JR comments that at this point, you know, each team keeps hitting big moves, but no one seems to gain any consecutive sequences or take advantage of the situation. Yeah, it is very, like, seesaw. We get a couple moves when you do. A lot of fast moves from Private Party isolating Penta, which doesn't last long. But Quinn hits a huge splash onto Penta, but doesn't hook the leg for the pin, which lets him kick out very quickly. Yeah, and then Penta dodges Quinn, who gets kicked by Fenix, and then Fenix gets tagged in and clobbers Quinn with a double stomp from the top row. Yeah, it was really interesting, because Quinn was actually facing into the ring and doubled over. Yeah. And then uh, Fenix was facing was on the top rope facing the outside, and he did a backwards jumping stomp. Yeah, it was really cool, and that was one of the few moves <clears throat> that I made note of. Yeah, one of the few moves that like took a second to set up. Yeah. Then there's another crazy setup here where Quinn gets put onto the shoulders of Cassidy. Then Fenix dropkicks Quinn, forcing him to give Cassidy a poison rana. <laughs> I'm sure there are a lot of spots I'm missing here also. This pace is just insane like my fingers would have bled if i tried to i'm not superman yeah i did have a lot of trouble keeping up writing it but i like to write my notes so quinn gets the tag on cassidy and jr says at some point that means cassidy needs to leave the ring because (laughs) at this point it has become apparent to everybody that no one is making any tags yeah everyone is just running in and out i'm amazed that the ref can keep track of who the legal man is it is adding to the speed and intensity yeah this this. is called legal man syndrome (laughs) Uh, when, when shit like this happens. <laughs> Excalibur and Shivani talk about how tagging in Lucha Wrestling basically doesn't exist 
To which JR ins- kind of insensitively goes, well, what the hell kind of sense does that make? The, uh, the Mexican style of professional wrestling is uh, tags are basically uh, it don't exist. Right, non-existent, absolutely. How much sense does that make? That's Lucha Libre, JR. That's Lucha Libre, but they have to adhere to different rules here in AEW. What they're talking about here is that the Lucha Libre rules of tag and trios wrestling is that once the tag team member hits the ground outside the ring, the other tag partner can jump into the ring and become the legal wrestler. So actually, when I looked this up, what I found interesting is that the original legal guy can leave the ring on their own accord. So... This kind of wait what he they can leave the ring on their own accord so it can and happen. So if he leaves strategic. the ring, the other yeah. guy. Okay. Well, yeah. I knew that part of it. And I didn't like, know he could. I didn't know he could willingly force that to happen. Yeah. So it has interesting t- strategic elements if you're used to watching this style of tag wrestling, which of course we're has not rules. really. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it, again, it's it was really interesting to kind of look that up because yeah, I, it, d- it definitely confused the shit out of Jr. Yeah. On the <laughs> pseudo racist <laughs> question about that. Back to the match, the Lucha Bros have the advantage, whatever that means for however long that lasts, with Penta and Quinn in the ring. Quinn cartwheels out of a Hurricanrana attempt and then flops backwards into a tag, which is actually pretty yeah, funny. Cool. The crowd popped for that. <laughs> Cassidy then hits Penta with a springboard dropkick, then hits Phoenix with a springboard Rana, then Penta on the outside with a springboard moonsault. Yeah, and then Quinn hits Fennec with a massive shooting star press, but only gets like a 2.9 count. The crowd yeah. erupts. The crowd is fucking over with this. And we hear the 10-minute warning at this point, um, as if the pacing and intensity of this match needed to be heightened. I know. Fennec uh, then gets frustrated, hitting Cassidy with furious punches before Quinn comes to his aid but to no avail as he gets taken out for his trouble. Penta then hits Cassidy with a powerbomb to the knee and then goes for a package driver, but Quinn escapes, hitting an enziguri on Penta and then hitting Phoenix with a gin and juice, which is a Frankensteiner from the top rope, into a cutter. But they can't pin because Penta is the legal man. Which, I, how did you know that? The, I don't know how the ref knew that. <laughs> Somehow this, they knew that. Yeah, and, and the fact that they knew it well enough to use it as part of the story of the match I will impressive. say impressive, because yeah. I would have lost the fucking yeah. score. This gives Penta and Phoenix the chance to recover, hitting Quinn with a top rope walking kick to the face. Quinn gets the arm breaker from Penta, my favorite, followed by an assistive package driver, which finally gets the three count, and now we can take a breath in. <laughs> right? Just everyone's like, oh, Good gosh. Lord, <laughs> this match was so fast too much it was very exciting yes. and like with the cold open and the fast pace of the start it was like whoa holy shit what yeah. are we doing here i i will say like i think that actually did i you're right it was very very exciting match uh but i honestly think it just and i, I you know i don't like saying this because i'm not i'm not on the cornet camp about this style of tag wrestling right we talked about this in right. previous episodes but this match did way too much. Yeah. Like, way, way, way too much. And and compare, especially, we'll talk about it later, but compared to the Bucks match, which is similar, but has very different pacing. Well, exactly. And, and we start the, the show off with this, like, friend frenetic yeah, yeah you're right. like, uh tag like, match we can't we no intro just get to the ring and there's there's actually three tag matches in this in the show tonight a, so it's gonna be in interesting row. to juxtapose all of them yeah. but yeah this one is definitely like the chaotic one i feel like 
the private party were like, listen, we're not going to win this, so please let us just get all of our shit in. Just as much of our shit in as we can. Let and us the do Lucha our Bros spots. are never going to say no to anything. Yeah, yeah. They're going to do fucking everything, because they do. Yeah. They can keep up with anyone. All I'm asking for is, like, just a few seconds between spots for, like, to let them breathe sure. and sell a little bit. And it's not even the, the no selling that bothers me, even though they're... It was absolutely no selling. He gets a fucking arm breaker <laughs> and like rolls out of the ring. So yeah, didn't there get was the sell of that. There was so right? much going on. There's just so much. And if you, if I think if we went back to watch that match and listen to the crowd, I don't know that there would be a lot of like pops so much as oh, mm-hmm. like the sort of verbal Mexican wave, right? Sure. Like, and and there's nothing wrong with that. No, you know what yeah. I mean. Like the audible Mexican wave, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think you know, for a match to go from like fun to great requires the audience to have moments to digest there's zero moment to to digest anything in this match and if we weren't writing it down i would not have remembered a single spot from it we cut to a wardlow promo a ward mo (laughs) Uh, i tried he runs he lifts he has chains on his shoulders that he lifts and runs with he has a hashtag which is I, I Wardlow's coming, I think. Mm. Who on who and where? Wardlow in the wild. Yeah. A silent. A film. wild well, yeah, wild well, it wasn't silent. Well, it wasn't he didn't say anything. It's true. He <laughs> grunt? Yeah, I think he may have done some grunts. There may have been a grunt or two. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> we then see the spot from last week where the Lucha Bros injured Christopher Daniels in shoot. Mm-hmm. He's out for six to eight weeks. Do you have any butt scuttle about that? Yeah, so the news or scuttle butt. Well, the news article from around this time seemed to indicate that Daniels reported having a pinched nerve. There's no indication about whether that's shoot or kayfabe in the news articles from the time. It probably would have been shoot. I checked Daniel's wrestling stats for 2019, and he wrestled on AEW Dark on October 9th. Okay. Uh, and then he didn't wrestle again until December 4th, which is so, about it. Yeah, so it's, so it's probably shoot. It sounds like a shoot injury, um, but you know what? We're right on to, to match two of the tag team tournaments. Yeah, SU versus the Dark Order. We get a Dark Order promo as SU makes their way to the ring. Yeah, and then I was like, wow, this is happening right now. Like, the other semifinal match is happening now. I know, you would have thought they would have bookended it at least. Put it was the bucks a, in the middle. It was a little bit like, yeah, it was a lot. So, week <laughs> two of the Dark Order. I'm still not sure how I feel with these Uno-obsessed gimps. Um, and whether they aided or hurt the gimmick, it certainly gave them something, which is more than the nothing they have right mm-hmm. now in 2024. Uh, it made Uno seem actually menacing compared to these days where he seems like a comedy guy. Yeah, and yeah. very fine with that. Yeah, so you think it made him more menacing? It certainly gave him a, well, I mean, why are they doing that? Did he drug sure. them? Did he give them something? Yeah, I just, I did, it I don't. It does make my brain my wonder first, things. Sure. You know what I'm saying? My first reaction is that I don't really like the creepers. No, um, I don't like them. They're, you know, their unnatural movements are really off-putting to me. Um, I think Evil Uno looks menacing without these guys. That's what I, my first impression was. Like, like he doesn't need that. But part of the storyline is this is that this is an established tag team with a cult of followers. So that's what the Creepers are supposed okay, to be. Okay, all right. I didn't know um, that. Yeah. I don't know anything about Dark Order before. And actually, well, I can give you a little bit of background on the Dark Order if you want. I will say before I get into my little segment on the Dark Order, mm-hmm. I was surfing the World Wide Web, and I came across a detailed article by Dylan Murray, written in September 2019. Uh, so he was writing for Last Word on Sports. And the article is called The Dark Order, The Best Team You Didn't Remember. Interesting. 
So this is a very helpful article because it's kind of a snapshot in time, you know, uh, 2019, as much as it is a primer on the Dark Order. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Dylan, for a lot of the information for this segment came from your article. Uh, and anyways, uh, so Stu Grayson and Evil Uno were previously mm -hmm. known as the Super Smash Brothers. Interesting. In the independent circuit. Between their debut in 2007 and 2018, they held seven different wow. tag titles. Stu Grayson was originally billed as Stupefied, that's which hilarious. a stupid name in my opinion. Yeah, I'm sorry. I agree. No, that's dumb. Uh, and he was also billed as Player Dose. Well, equally dumb. Because, well, Evil Uno was Player Uno. So now putting aside the obvious trademark theft that would not fly when you're trying to be a serious sure. wrestling promotion, uh, the gamer player Uno Dose gimmick yeah. um, is a really cute one to me for like some baby faces. Jeez. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> let me let I'm me let me prime you on uh, Super Smash Bros. and uh, player Uno and player Dose, okay. right? Because putting aside the obvious trademark theft, sure. um, again that wouldn't fly when you're trying to be a serious wrestling promotion. Um, it's a really cute gimmick, in my respective opinion. Mm -hmm. um, and these two... Not the opinion of the official podcast. Official <laughs> yeah. opinion of the podcast. <laughs> you might disagree with me, but I don't give a fuck. Um, but these two Canadian video game nerds uh, apparently had amazing chemistry as friends and as tag partners, and they started appearing regularly with Chikara in 2008. That makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, and they did sign with uh, Ring of Honor to do some dark matches that same year. Interesting. Honestly, I found their ability to cut a promo very impressive. Um, in our little links document, um, I saved somewhere on our YouTube channel. Actually, I did save it on our, I don't know how that works, but um, there's uh, it's a video from 2010. So Player Dose actually busts out a list, like a physical paper list of Player Dose about the ways in which they and their opponents, the colony, are alike. Okay. Um, again, again, beyond being the most experienced tag teams at this promotion, both teams are apparently fans of Miley Cyrus. Hilarious. And that's 2010 Miley Cyrus, so I'm into that. Um, but it's silly, um, you know, in all the ways that I like promos to be. Sure. Their energy is really good. They seem really charismatic to sure, me. Like, sure. it's a, yeah, you'll go check out the link. It's on our YouTube somewhere. Okay. Uh, so Super Smash Bros. debuted with the LA-based pro wrestling gorilla, or PWG, PWG in okay. 2011. Uh, and their first match, they lost to the Rock Ness Monsters, and that's Rock, capital N-E-S. So, uh, again, the whole video game thing is wow. just... Yeah, you the Super Smash... definitely never want to win tag titles. Again, build, uh, build as the Super Smash Bros. and the Rock Ness Monsters. That, that was like... That's interesting. I love that. So, um, but PWG really invested in them, and they continued to grow as wrestlers alongside the Young Bucks. El Generico, Adam yep. Cole, Willie Mack. Uh, and if you don't know, El Generico is Sami Zayn. And yeah, Canadians as well. So they yes. would have probably wrestled Almost together them, yeah. um, before. SSB got indie star power in 2012, becoming PWG tag team champs and retaining in several notable matches. And actually between June 2012 and losing the PWG belt in January 2013, SSB held three different titles wow. at the same time. So, I mean, they were technically a triple, triple crown. crown. Yeah. Triple crown, still triple crown. So they had the PWG title and two CW, which were U.S. promotions. And then they also had the North Shore Pro Wrestling uh, tag titles, which is a promotion out of Quebec, which is where they're, where they're from. So sure. uh, love that for them. 
Um, apparently, some visa issues arose uh, for our Quebecois masked champions, uh, and it appears that they stopped wrestling in the American promotions like PWG in 2013. So that's kind of when they lost the belt. Mm. You don't see them in the States anymore. But the first iteration of Evil Uno and Stu Grayson uh, as the Super Smash Brothers came in 2015 when they wrestled primarily between two promotions, one in Canada and one in Germany. Interesting. Yeah. So the wrestlers have worked consistently as uh, both tag team partners and in solo um, competition until debuting strongly in AEW's Fight for the Fallen pay-per-view and getting a bye into this tournament. And then Dylan Murray concludes this 2019 article, again, the one that I had mentioned Mm -hmm. at the beginning of this segment, about the Dark Order by saying, quote, After getting to the top of the Independent Mountain in 2012, Uno and Dos were victims of circumstances and lost the buzz that likely would have brought them into superstardom. Now they have the chance to right that wrong. Whilst many new fans are yet to come around to the Dark Order at AEW, it is only a matter of time until everybody recognizes just who they are. The best tag team you didn't remember. And why I think this is going to be a saga, perhaps, is the theme of the best tag team you didn't remember yeah. from an article. Like the published date, publication date is September 30th, 2019, that a wrestling fan is writing this. Um, and a sports commentator or journalist sure. is writing this about the Dark Order. And I found that very interesting because, again, this is like two weeks before this match. It's an interesting starting point for me to explore why, uh, as I had said at the beginning, the Dark Order have not yet held the AEW tag titles. So I think we stay tuned for another segment in a future episode about this. But again, the best tag team you didn't remember. Interesting. That's I had no idea about that. Thank you so much. That was great. Meanwhile, in the ring, the audience is pumped for SCU, who the commentary point out are all business tonight. No uh, Freddie Mercury, no singing. They are ready to kick some ass yeah. after the beatdown from last week. <laughs> Shivani says, technically, SCU is the less experienced group as a tag team, as Grayson and Uno have been tagging for a long time, as, as you, you just, mentioned. Yes, as you just found out. Shivani points out that the quote-unquote creepers just passed by them, to which JR says, wait, where's my shoes? Oh my god, someone get him some uh, Young Bucks flip-flops. These, cobbler, these, these tiny elves have stolen my shoes for the cobbler. <laughs> uh, Excalibur says, Grayson has been training in various martial arts since he was six years old, which kind of... In a one way, sounds like just some guy who's been kicking stuff his whole life. (laughs) Yeah, and that doesn't surprise me, his experience with martial arts. But uh, the match starts with uh, Evil Uno... (laughs) Evil Uno? (laughs) Evil Uno giving a cheap shot to Kaz, taking him to the corner and isolating him. Um, For a bigger wrestler, I think uh, Evil Uno is actually really speedy. I agree. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed watching him wrestle. Uh, Classic JR fat shaming here. Oh, boy. Uh, As he says, By the the masked man who, according to our publicity, weighs 220. 220? And I weigh, and I'm 6'5". And look like Brad Pitt. Hey, the guy's got a big size advantage. I'm not being, taking this lightly, but... That can be a huge weapon in this matchup. Yeah, I don't think we need to worry about the numbers I know. necessarily as opposed like, to what's not, happening in the ring. Not, yeah. yeah. Uh, Kaz uses his strength to overpower Uno, hitting a wicked lariat on Uno before tagging Scorp, who comes in with a beautiful dropkick and a cover for two. JR brings up the impressive performance from Scorpio last week, calling him the MVP of the show. Which I think we both agreed 100%. with 100%. as well at the end it of the episode. It was my episode. diamond dog or yeah. whatever. <laughs> 
Diamond Dog. <laughs> uh, in ring, though, Grayson and Uno have the advantage on Scorp, hitting him with a running tackle. Excalibur brings up how the Dark Order were considered one of the best tag teams in the world. Again, at one point, they were, and they lost that momentum, and hopefully it's hard to get back. It yeah. up. Hopefully. <clears throat> Scorp knocks Uno off the apron and reverses a back body drop by Grayson with a jumping stop to the back. Quick tags from Kaz and Scorp, trying to get some momentum on Grayson. But Grayson dodges a kick with a frog jump and kicks him to the outside, where Uno then throws him into the ring steps. During commercial obligation, Sky tries to fight off the double team from the Dark Order, but gets trampled. Sky gets hit with a delayed senton while he's laying on the apron, which was a pretty impressive move by Grayson. <laughs> yeah. Like, the the his ability to just sort of stay vertical for for a second was really unexpected. Yeah. And uh, especially from baby Kratos. <laughs> baby Kratos. It's what he looks like. I'm sorry. I can't not see it. I know. After doing some research, I see him in a different light here. Yeah. Um, Scorp reverses Uno with a back body drop and gives Grayson a solid lariat. And he's close to getting a tag in, but Uno pulls Kazarian off the apron at the last yeah. second. Yeah. Uno hits Sky with a vicious Senton Atomico for two. Shivani really likes saying Senton Atomico and pops for it. Clip incoming. Love it. Senton Atomico. Damn, I'm learning things every week. Me too. I am. I love it. I am too, Tony. Sky continues to get worked over as we come back from commercial obligation. And suddenly the inner circle show up in the crowd. Jericho flashes some tickets. Uh, they go up the stairs. Um, into the skybox. Yeah, into the inner circle box. In the ring, Scorp fights off Uno with a neckbreaker reversal, finally getting a hot tag to Kaz that I liken to a full-on arson. Oh, because uh, he hits really fast and Ooh. hard strikes, a flying lariat, body slam, and a springboard leg drop, which was surprising. Finally, hitting Grayson with a spinning neckbreaker. Oh wow! Kaz rolls Evil Uno up and grabs Grayson by the waist. Nailing a bridging northern lights suplex, which is a uh, really cool looking near fall. Yeah, I, I always love the northern lights. Yeah, Shivani brings up how both teams are looking worse for wear, exactly the kind of exhaustion the first match was lacking. Yeah, right? there was a little bit of a pacing, like the pacing is better on this. Yeah, I mean, the wrestlers need to look like they're putting in effort. Yes, exactly. Scorp gets hit with a rising knee strike, which makes him wobble backwards as he gets suplexed right into Kaz, who was in the corner behind him. Grayson then gets Kaz in an electric chair position, tossing <laughs> him to Uno for a sit-out powerbomb and a two-count. JR says he didn't neutralize the legs. <laughs> yeah. Scorpio and Kaz hit cutters on Uno and Grayson, respectively, to get their comeback, followed by stereo dragon sleepers, but Grayson powers out of it. Grayson scales Uno, Scorp, and Aubrey. What? From the, he's standing on the top turnbuckle. He runs on all of their shoulders and then hits Kaz with a Hurricane Rana. Then runs into Scorp in one corner, then runs to the other corner, hurtling the corner to give Kaz a senton to the outside. Jesus Christ. Well, I guess that might be the first rule of cools, like using the ref as part of the move. Like he does an undertaker dive, basically. <laughs> and then Uno rakes Scorp's eyes and gives him a flatliner. But again, Aubrey was distracted by Grayson on the outside of the ring. So that gave Scorp, uh, Scorpio Sky the chance to kick out. Yeah, she was out of position. Scorp gets set up for Uno and Grayson's finisher called the Fatality, but shoves Uno into the corner post as Kaz hits Grayson with a DDT. Kaz then hits Uno with a DDT on the apron mm -hmm. and hits Grayson with the SCU later GTS and gets the three count 
SCU is going to the finals against the Lucha Bros. Wow. So not only is it a tag team title match, but there's beef between SCU and the Lucha Bros because of the injury to Daniels. Yes. So I'm very excited for this finals match. Me too. Uh, as SCU theme plays, we get shots of the inner circle throwing popcorn and spraying the bubbly, just the wasting bubbly. it everywhere. Ace <laughs> yeah. Jericho owns it now. so uh, Yeah, it's all popcorn and champagne, which yeah. is just makes for a real fucking mess. Uh, we then cut to a pre-cape of Cody arriving at the arena earlier that day. He's definitely in his uh, his Cody EVP outfit here. Yeah, he looks yeah. a bit like a skinny Triple H. There's there's like an episode of <laughs> there's an episode of of like Raw or something in like 2006 around there where Triple H is walking in the back with like a suit on, and but he's trying to be he's a face, so he's just like saying hello to all the production guys. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm a real cool guy, real relatable. This guy, yeah, no, I'm he so looks, everybody likes me. He looks really busy and important, but he's like talking to like. But uh, I'm one of the people. I haven't forgot where I came from. No, I didn't get that vibe at all. No, he was talking to like an EA or something. Yeah, like, yeah. He was like, I'm busy, and he's getting the information from like the production staff. Which it is was like, not again, I was not a man it was not a man of the people at all. No, and, and again, like what Cody are they trying to represent here? Yeah. Every it's week, very it's mixed a question. message. Yeah. But again, you do see yeah, you you observe well he's in a suit, looks busy and important. Match three, Joey Janela versus Kenny Omega. <laughs> Apparently a rematch from Dark, where yeah. they had a unsanctioned match, right? Right, yeah. Shmoey Shmamela. Yeah, you realize that Kenny's in this match, so you have to actually pay yes. attention. Yeah, I know. It was very hard. <laughs> I, I immediately regretted it, because I didn't know what about Joey's entrance is bad boy. <laughs> it's certainly not his Brian Kendrick ass walking to the Ooh. ring, or his bandana, or his lack of a shower. Can you smell it from here? No, he did have very leg legible tit signature though. <laughs> he did have neat writing on he that lady's good, chest. Good, good tit writing. I'll give him that. Um, we get some clips of the again, yeah, the unsanctioned hardcore match between Janela and Omega from a previous episode of AEW Dark. Before they realized they shouldn't book career shorteners on YouTube. <laughs> they had no other choice. Oh, no, they did. Um, and just not not have Joey Janela on, on there. Justin Roberts announces in Spanish that Kenny Omega is the triple A mega champion. The triple R. The triple R? Triple R. Well, I don't know how to say it in Spanish. Triple R. I'm not that skilled in yeah. Spanish. Uh, but considering how long he holds it for, they should call it the Omega championship. Yeah. I double-checked that because uh, Kenny vacated the triple A championship in 2022 due to an injury. Yeah. But like, he had just won it from Phoenix the Saturday prior to this episode. As said on BTE. As said on BTE, yeah. Kenny he works on Joey's arm to open the match, taking him down with an arm bar. Joey counters with a springboard arm drag, uh, showing that he can hold his own with a guy like Kenny at least a little bit on the mat wrestling. Kenny throws Janela to the apron, kicking him in the face between the middle rope and V-triggering him to the outside. Kenny then takes hits a Pascato on Janela, a springboard crossbody to the outside. And I know you don't like Joey Janela, but at the beginning of this match, I can see why people were hyped for him in 2019. He's definitely maneuvering out of Kenny's various arm manipulations, and right now he's keeping up with Kenny. I don't disagree with you. This match showed me more of Janela than I had seen previously. Um, Excalibur calls Kenny a temporal wizard for his ability <laughs> to control the pace in the ring. I may have to start calling him that. I know. Or at least make one in D&D. That's like a sweet nickname. <laughs> make will, one in D&D. It will be Meggie O'Kenna. <laughs> what uh, kind of wizard would he be? Uh, the best one. <laughs> oh my god. Wow. <laughs> the best spell machine. The best spell machine. <laughs> Book it. Yep. 
Janela delivers some strikes to Kenny, and he's able to take a bit of control and get Kenny into the corner and climb to sit on the top turnbuckle. Kenny throws him off, but Janela rolls through, throwing Kenny to the outside and hitting a huge crossbody to the outside from the top turnbuckle. I will give it to Janela for that one. It looked very, very impressive. Yeah, and at this point, JR is talking talking about drama between Joey Janela and Tully Blanchard. Oh, Uh, I didn't even hear that. Yeah, the casual uh, television viewer really has no idea what the fuck he's talking about. I mean, Tully becomes a presence in AEW for a bit. Yeah, yeah, but this eventually it does become a plot point on BTE, and there's a feud between him and Sean Spears. But anyways, it was distracting because there was nothing to give us context. Sure. And I I had a note of it, and I was like, what the fuck? Uh, But anyways. We go to a commercial obligation as Janela tries to keep pace with Kenny, but he gets caught with a Hurricane Rana that throws him to the outside. And it's time for the rise of the Terminator. The crowd starts <laughs> the beat going as Kenny hits a gorgeous toe bay, mm-hmm. as always. Mm-hmm. Kenny hits a lot of moves on Janela here, uh, including a buckle bomb followed by a pop-up a power bomb. As Kenny picks Janela apart, reveling in it, JR says Kenny has no fear taking this match while also knowing that Mahaz Moxley down the line. Kenny's a gamer, he says, with <laughs> zero awareness that that has a double meaning in this instance. Well, <laughs> Kenny, as the gamer, has full control over Janela's wrist and gives him a loud chest drop. Janela tries to match Kenny's strength, but, like, he really just gets chopped yeah, down quickly. Yeah, no, it's like a 50-pound muscle mass difference. <laughs> uh, Kenny hits the You Cannot Escape as we come back from commercial, but Janela gets the knees up on the moonsault. Mm-hmm. Kenny is not deterred, though, hitting Janela immediately with multiple Snapdragon suplex. So nice. Goes for a standing switch, but Janela gets the better and hits Kenny with a suplex into the corner. It looked brutal. Yeah, this was that really rough spot, right? Yeah, but it actually wasn't so bad. It just land like he la- Kenny landed more on his side than on his back, and it was uh, okay. kind of ugly. All right. um, Janela goes up and hits a top rope elbow drop, but gets two. Not the best, but not the worst. Yeah, and then Janela's up there going for the ten count punches, but he takes too much time showboating to the crowd, and then. Kenny drops him right in the face, hits a Snapdragon, a V-trigger, but only gets a 2.5. Yeah, Janela's showing some resilience, um, and he reverses a V-trigger with a German German suplex, but then immediately gets hit with a chop, then a V-trigger, but this time Janela won't be deterred, hitting Kenny with a Fisherman Buster. The crowd chants, this is awesome, and yeah, Iconic had to agree. I was into it. That Fisherman Buster was pretty great. We were into it. Very very crisp. Good crisp, crisp Fisherman Buster. JR says Janela might soon become one of the biggest stars in AEW, and I'm kind of glad that didn't happen. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm not unimpressed. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I, I kind of looked into Joey Janela a I was little hoping, bit. Yeah, okay. Because you, you, yeah. you always shit all over him, and we're watching this, you know, from the start. Like, even if, with this match, like, he's good. I just don't see it. Yeah, but, again, the background is that he um, wrestled Eddie Kingston on January 8th, 2022. Interesting. Uh, and his last match with AEW was one week later on Dark. Okay. So, Callie Mercury went to Petty University to do some digging Petty University. on what was out there about his departure from AEW. So, in March 2022, Joey Janela did an interview with Denise Salcedo where he Ooh. pulls the jilted lover card oh, saying, really? yeah, he says, I wish there was less radio silence on their end with me. I consider Tony a friend. I just wish they would talk to me. I know it's come to an end, but I appreciate them. 
I appreciate the experience I had, and I'm going to take everything I learned there and bring it with me for the rest of my career. Weird. Yeah, during this interview, he references super kicking Eddie Kingston too hard during that January 8th match in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. And his excuse for that during this interview was, quote, I had been squatting probably 50 more pounds than I am used to be squatting and doing 100 pounds more on the leg press. And I don't know. I didn't realize I had that type of power in my legs, and I gave him a super kick, and I broke his orbital bone. So, I was just too strong, bro. Yeah, there's an acknowledgement. I was too jacked. There's an acknowledgement that the injury happened, if but... The, if that made any mistake, it was getting too jacked. Yeah, he's not taking responsibility because he lifts, bro. Good God. Yeah, so he also said in this interview... Wow, he doesn't sound insufferable at all. I know, I know. He also said in this interview... Quote, I've had a string of bad luck throughout my AEW career, and it may have been the straw that broke the camel's back, in reference to breaking being Eddie Kingston's orbital bone. known to be. So again, his quote being like, um, it's not that Joey Janela is an unsafe wrestler, it's that he's an unlucky wrestler. That's what he's, that's exactly, like, yeah, yeah he's, he's had a string unlucky of bad that luck. the wrestlers he was with noticed he injured them. Yeah. God again, he's idiot. deferring complete Thank responsibility. God. Um, and the, the PWI article covered this 2022 interview. They, uh, the writer confirmed that they had talked to some AEW sources and that a Joey Janela had a bad reputation in the locker room for being unsafe, like you have said. So he mentions, uh, Joey Janela mentions in this 2022 interview that it might be the older heads in the locker room uh. who believe he has a reputation as a dangerous wrestler. Literally says that. It is... So anyways, How many old, there aren't even that many older heads in that locker room. That's, you know, that's, the EVPs are your age, asshole. That's what Joey Janela said after his contract was not renewed with AEW. He got uh. the radio silent treatment. He was deflecting responsibility um, and not really learning from, I think, the lessons that had happened with, uh, particularly with Eddie Kingston. What a bad boy. <laughs> what, a again, ba what a well, bad at we're life We're going to get to that because on February 2023... Joey Janela was on a WrestleFest live stream. Oh, I didn't, this should be good. Yeah, I didn't watch the live <laughs> you know, stream. Nothing I thought bad it ever happens when something's recorded. I on found an article. We can link. We should probably start like putting yeah. show notes in. But uh, he said, according to this article I found, uh, I was set to resign, and then I think I super kicked Eddie in the face a little too hard and broke his eye socket. I think he was going to feud with Chris Jericho, and then there was a little heat on me there. I was just like, I'm not dealing with this again. So I just hit up DDT in Japan that day and said, I'm not going to resign. That day they sent me a tour. So he did wrestle in Japan starting in August mm -hmm. 2022 after he didn't renew his contract with Somewhere AEW. Somewhere where he can hit somebody really hard and no one will say anything. Yeah, um, and he did, you know, he has continued to wrestle. So he's kept busily wrestling with Game Changer Wrestling or GCW. Mm -hmm. And this is the promotion that he primarily where is that? wrestles with today. It's in the States somewhere. I, I don't remember which state particularly, but it's somewhere in the U.S. Um, but again, what we see here from, you know, March of 2022 to February 2023 is a is, lack of remorse. Yeah, and a gradual shifting of the narrative that's kind of hilarious to me. And I think it's worth pointing out this discrepancy in light of the positive reception that he's receiving during this match. Kenny is wrestling with him. JR is hyping him as the future of the company. And the crowd seems really excited to, about this match. I mean, it makes sense because... Uh, you know, Tony, of all, of all things at this point especially, is an indie mark. Yeah. Right? And I don't mean that disparagingly. Like, a lot of these guys got signed because he knew them. Orange Cassidy, 
he knew of him, right? And that's what he says and is, you know, I was friends with Tony, right? right? exactly, because these are the kinds of guys that jo- that Tony engendered. And if he saw Janela and put him in this position yeah. this early, yeah. that's a that's a decision from all five of these EVPs and, t- and Tony. Exactly. And he's, like, it's one thing, like, see, humility. I always tell you this in private. Humility is always the well, thing that fucks people exactly. over. Exactly. A and lack so, of humility and an ego is what will kill you every time. And so if Joey Janela had taken more responsibility yeah. for causing his coworkers' injuries and working to be a safer wrestler, I think he was going to get pushed in AEW. He fucking Cat Williams did So I approach, can we not date it like that? Okay. Yeah, that literally has happened. Can we not? All right. Thanks. Um... So if Joey Janela had taken more responsibility for causing his coworkers right. injuries and working to be a safer wrestler, I think he was going to get really pushed in AEW. And, you know, I appreciate that people cope with breakups <laughs> in different ways, but this narrative <laughs> shifting and the, the blame defection for, you know, his unsafe wrestling and the unsafe wrestling hence itself. So, like, he's both deflecting the blame and... Uh, wait. And saying that it was, and denying that it happened. Basically. Yeah, he's simultaneously apologizing and gaslighting. He's yeah. saying it didn't happen, but if it did happen, it's because I was too jacked, bro. I yeah, and like again, so he's yeah, he's deflecting blame for his unsafe yeah. wrestling, and then he's also still an unsafe wrestler, and that is why we at Wanna Watch AEW can confirm that in our opinion, Joey Janela is it's a piece a- of shit. <laughs> so finished him off, Kenny. Wow. I didn't know that we were making those kind of judgments at the end of these. It's just opinion. Judge, jury, and executioner. That's, my, that's just my opinion, man. Janela goes for a senton. That gen- that piece of shit <laughs> goes for a senton onto Kenny on the apron, but splats back first as Kenny rolls out of the way. That looked and sounded gross. Yeah, it did. Um, Kenny rolls Janela in and knocks him out with a V-trigger before nailing the one-winged angel, and that's all there was for Janela tonight. Yeah. Um, a short, low-stakes, but exciting match that showed me something about Janela. Um, I came away from this thinking, okay, yeah, maybe there is a reason they're putting some, some effort behind him. I don't know if I want to see him, like, grungily sign tits every week, but, you know, they got, they're, they're doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, of course, held his own... He's not a megastar or anything, but he held his own against the god of pro wrestling. So. Yeah, and he had a lot of potential, and if he would have just shown some humility, we might be telling a different story about Joey Janela right true. now. I'm glad we're not. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna... After a brief promo of upcoming tour dates, Cody then raises from the center of the stage. Mm. If Kenny is the god of pro wrestling, Cody definitely comes off as the president of pro wrestling. Yes. He is not here to wrestle. He's here on very important business. He is here to president. (laughs) He's here to president. This may not be a popular opinion between the two of us, but I love Cody's theme song. You're correct that it is something we may disagree on. (laughs) That's fair. Uh, We come back from commercial, and Tony says that Cody... We come back from commercial obligation, where Cody was failing to vamp, uh, (laughs) and Tony Schiavone is in the ring with him. Ah, yes. He says that Cody is making a major announcement tonight, but before he can, the inner circle starts blaring <laughs> air horns. Hilarious. Mm. <clears throat> the air horns run out way too fast, though. Uh, is so, that what happened? Yeah, they, they, they ran out of juice real quick. So instead, Jericho just grabs a mic and boos Cody verbally as he's trying to make his announcement. Uh, I am a child and find this hilarious. Yeah, and Cody says, hey, Chris, this isn't like the other company we come from. There is no invisible wall. I can step through the ropes, come up there, and we can fight right here, right now. And 
Put a pin in that for a second. Okay. Pin pin place on the donkey. Uh, the crowd pops for this, forcing Jericho. The crowd pops for this, forcing Jericho to tell Pittsburgh to shut your mouths. <laughs> he says, Cody, you stand in that ring where it's safe because you're too much of a coward to come up here. You're an entitled millennial little bitch. Yeah. <laughs> a young L.A. Knight takes note. I don't Any... <laughs> Um, But at some point, Jericho refers to Cody as boy, which uh, I know really riles up the men on a good day. Yeah, no, not a big fan of being called boy or little guy mm -hmm. or buddy. Yeah, buddy, uh, kid. Guy. Not your buddy, pal. Uh, <laughs> Jericho points out that it's four on one, so he'll have to listen to Jericho and take it. <laughs> but the music of the natural Dustin Rhodes mm -hmm, hits. Mm -hmm. uh, your big brother's not going to save you, Cody Wody. It's still four on two. Then MJF's music hits. Cody's BFF 4L comes down to have his back. Jericho says, oh, what? I'm supposed to be afraid of a guy wearing a scarf? Referencing one of Jericho's many faces and one of my favorites in particular. Yes. Callie. You know, you know that experience during the creative process where you have that one good idea and it's like a watershed moment mm -hmm. and then all of these awesome ideas spring up and then you have this fully realized piece of art? Yes. Well, that is the list of Jericho. Yes, I agree. That is one of, yeah, one of your favorites? Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> so it did start, uh, the list of Jericho started on September 19th, 2016, uh, episode of Raw. When, according to former wrestler and WWE writer Jimmy Jacobs, Jericho was supposed to go out and cut a promo about all of the grievances he had about McFoley. So Jacobs thought it would be hilarious if Jericho went out with a physical list, like a shit list. Mm -hmm. And so McFoley was the first guy to make the list. And like any good idea, all of these awesome ideas sprang up after and Chris Jericho really just like went with it and ran with the the whole list of Jericho. So he added this, again, expensive-looking scarf to add to this heelishness and arrogance of the character, um, the pen and the dramatic clicking. Clicking of the pen, yeah. You know, and then the various catchphrases. Various catchphrases, yeah, like, uh, you just made my list. Mm -hmm. um, the mm -hmm. pen clicking was the thing, yes. yes. You're gonna get it. 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 <laughs> that was, that was, and then we'd be like, get what? It. It. Uh, Which so is such a, like, that's such a, like, grow up watching Leslie Nielsen on Airplane. I've been telling, I told you we should watch Airplane. That's where all of that shit comes from. It's like, they're watching that and like John Candy movies as a kid. Yeah, yeah. Shit so, like Uncle Buck. Notable additions to the list of Jericho include Mick Foley, of yep. course. Brace in row 12. Yep. The cameraman during a highlight reel of his best friend, Kevin Owens. I'm pretty sure Angry Miz Girl, I made it on there too. Kofi Kingston for questioning Jericho <laughs> and Kevin Owens' friendship. Right. Seth Rollins for being injured again. Right. AJ Styles' stupid soccer mom haircut. Yeah. Braun Strowman for touching the list. Uh, Sami Zayn, no reason given. Santa Claus for gimmick infringement. What? Because <laughs> he had the list. God. How did I forget that? Danny Masterson for insinuating that he and Ashton are better friends than us. Really, that's why he's on the list? Or not that's on according the... to yeah. the, the Reddit well, post that I have okay. in the Well, that's okay. Danny Masterson's on a very different list now. Cool. <laughs> So there it is. There it is. I knew I had to mention. Like, I knew there's a joke there somewhere. Goldberg. Okay. Booker T. Sure. Booker T's Hall of Fame <laughs> ring. And then there's also the sub list of stupid idiots. Right. Yes. Enzo. Enzo Amore. Big cast. All of the members, members of, of the New, New Day, Day. The Shining Stars. So that's Primo and Epico. Yeah. The Club. Gallows and Anderson. Anderson. Uh, yeah, and the last person on the list. 
Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens. Yes. So the list of Jericho started as an entitled, arrogant heel gimmick, much like the cockiness he's exuding as leader of the inner circle while demanding his accolades from the AEW audience. Uh, the list was a simple but effective in that carny sort of way that wrestling fans love. Uh, and Jericho ultimately had a babyface turn with this, very much yes. like MJF did in 2023 with being our scumbag. So it might have been the power of expensive scarves guiding both of them. Who knows? This gimmick is definitely on my list. It's great. It's it's the uh, you never watched it live, but like he still you know had such a prolific I guess library of characters that he had he had portrayed and evol evolved through. So for him to just sort of be and and to be fair. At this, one of the things I think is important about framing this gimmick is that at the time, Jericho, you know, he had come back a couple of times already. Mm. He had a feud with uh, CM Punk where he was a yep. heel, and then he came back where he was kind of just the face doing nothing. And he was, well, he was meant to be, it was meant to be a short stint, yes. right? And it was meant to go, put a few guys over, but then the list thing took well, off, him and right? Kevin Owens took off. And that's the power of the good idea, but yeah. actually, no, him and Kevin Owens were a thing, but... Again, from looking into this, my understanding of it is that the once they had the list and they had that one good idea, oh yeah, it, it all, kept him along for it kept him there yeah, for a lot longer, no, right? Like his and only purpose was to put guys over. Nothing thing, but it's, I think yeah. it works because Jericho's such an established guy yeah. that we accept him being both silly and serious. And again, it was a it's a brilliant, brilliant gimmick. Oh. So um so this has been a Cali Mercury presentation just... of the many faces of Chris Jericho. Oh my god, there's a wrestling show going on. It's me. It's me. It's DDP. Arms back, chest out, because DDP has come out to fill the fourth spot. Ah, that's a DDP yoga reference, and god damn it, aren't we in shape? I mean, I thank you. <laughs> I don't agree, but I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. I'll take it. Uh <clears throat> they go up to the box seats, and Jericho locks the door which has a glass window in it. Cody wraps his fist around MJF's scarf and punches the glass. Then a big brawl breaks out through the mezzanine, and Max looks adorable in his swimming in his non-tailored I don't think suit. it was I don't think it was that bad. He was swimming in it. You're overstating it. I'm not. Our precious baby scumbag. Uh, Jericho somehow still has his tickets at the end of this huge brawl <laughs> when everyone's pulled apart. He he starts waving it at the security, demanding that Cody and his lackeys get arrested for assaulting a patron. Now, Callie, as the resident lawyer <laughs> and law <laughs> expert, well. you, they can't see my air quotes. Uh, <laughs> please yeah. give me an analysis of the kayfabe legal legalities here. The kayfabe legalities of this completely not because to set it up, Jericho is both a patron and a wrestler, and as yeah. Yeah, yeah, wrestling yeah, yeah. and as wrestling has established many times. It's not assault if you have a match booked against each other in the near future. Right, right. So again, my take on this is that anything that has happened that is a crime, such as the assault that we saw, or the mischief of breaking the window in Canada, we call that sure, mischief. Sure, um, Or basically any other sort of... we're adorable with our crimes. Well, that's just... I, whatever. <laughs> Blame the Brits? I don't know. Yeah. Or any other sort of crime that could happen in kayfabe is just handled by way of vigilante street justice. So you gotta fight that shit out. But sometimes we move into boring civil matters, and this issue, mm. as you kind of foreshadowed, raises two distinct contractual issues. So the agreement that Jericho has with AEW regarding his contractual obligations to participate in street justice, a.k.a. fight Cody when he says, I can come up there and fight right now like he did earlier. Remember I said put mm -hmm. a pin in it? Mm -hmm. Again, is this part of Jericho's contractual obligation as a wrestler of AEW, even though he has tickets as a patron to the show? I don't know. 
I've never seen the contract. Sure. You more information is required. Right. But there's also the Where's other respecter when you need him. There's other the, the other legal distinct issue I see here is that the agreement that the patrons of the venue have as ticket holders. So generally in exchange for access to the venue, the ticket holder agrees to certain things or to not do certain things like bringing in weapons or air horns. Um, mm-hmm. So would using which the air they, horn, which they clearly again, violated. yeah, would that vitiate the agreement between the ticket holder I'm and sorry, the venue? Vitiate? Yeah. Should I switch that? No, you just explain it. Like just yeah, end it, finish it. Oh, like, complete. It, yeah, the kind of vitiates Devoid? it. Void is it? Like, it voids okay. it. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sorry vitiate. That's no, it. in the context I, of like vitiating consent, right? Sure. In okay. Cases, yes. Yeah. That, how, I understand yeah. what that means. Yeah. Um, but again, does that void the cons- void the agreement between the ticket holder and the venue, or the discretion of the promoter that's using the venue at any given time? So AEW, and is there joint liability to be had between the venue and AEW via v Jericho? Anyway, civil law is fucking boring, so who cares? And I think we've finally cracked the case on why wrestling doesn't have a union. <laughs> <laughs> Because writing one in kayfabe would be impossible. Yeah. Kayfabe law, man. I'm here for Could that, Could you imagine though. a kayfabe wrestling union? It would make the least sense of anything that's ever like, happened. Like, literally, I'm going to keep track of this. Like, anything that's a crime is just fucking street justice. I think we're going to need to start a spreadsheet. And then we do, like, like, stupid, and then I do stupid legal analysis that is completely not a legal opinion <laughs> or anything. So an episode of uh, Suits. <laughs> so an episode of Yeah. Just shitty legal opinions. Yeah, that don't actually work at all. <laughs> Uh, um, anyway, it was fun though. It was fun to think it's about. It's true. I mean, it does. I, I mentioned it earlier, but the scenario does make me realize that there's like a weird legal loophole in wrestling where a wrestling contract for between two guys who to to fight in the near future somehow precludes you from having the safeties guaranteed to you by yeah, like by is, law. <laughs> is that part of their contract? I don't know. Well, I mean, for example, if you book a wrestle book to wrestle someone, you are not legally accountable if you attack them any week prior. <laughs> Other, unless otherwise stipulated. I mean, Triple H got <laughs> dropped in upside down in a car by Steve Austin. No legal legalities. because yeah, no, that's street justice, man. He attempted murdered him. We don't need a criminal court times. of law. We don't need a criminal court of law. We have fa- kayfabe. Kayfabe criminal court is just street justice, and then anything else. Wait. Well, again, and Cody, yeah, get, you know, getting arrested versus getting charged. Like sure, again, I, I would suppose. like to. I would like to There's know. There's a difference between jail and prison. You have a yeah. You have a better kind of historical know, his, knowledge. Historical yes. knowledge of does anyone has anyone actually gotten charged criminally well, see, in I think, kayfabe? I think the important thing is remember is that when it goes to appeals, it goes to wrestlers court. <laughs> wrestlers court. Yeah. All right, okay. <laughs> Does that Olympic court counselor? Uh, <laughs> the camera lingers on the inner circle for a little too long, probably because they're trying to vamp the commercial break uh, before we hear the theme of the best friends, which means it's time for match number four. Match four. Best friends versus Young Bucks. The third. Ta- the third. Third. The third, man. Third tag team, man. Oh, you like me, man? Um, oh, I love wrestling, man. <laughs> Yeah, this is the ultimate losers match. Ultimate losers match. Of the tag man. team tournament. The young bucks with their sandals, man. With their did they come out with sandals? No, they didn't. Oh. Match one. Best friends versus young bucks. The third tag team match of the night. The one with the least amount of stakes and the best one of the evening, I would argue. Yeah, the ultimate losers match of the tag team tournament. So yeah. SCU beat the best friends. Private party beat the young bucks. Um. Again, they are shooting off Buck Bucks during their entrance. Which I love. <laughs> I, miss, I miss the Bucks money, and I really miss the Young Bucks in 2024. Yeah, they haven't been around for a no, while. No, they turned heel a little on Kenny, and then when Kenny got injured, they kind of disappeared. Yeah. I mean, 
I'm glad at least that it's not like all of the elite are off TV. I do think it's interesting that the guys who on TV the least now of the four of them are the EVPs. I know Kenny's injured and he's been injured for a while, but I wonder if it is like let's step back and do some company mm-hmm. shit for a bit. Because they're and on this a lot back. in 2019, like because yeah. they have to be, right? Yeah, and of course, like, out of necessity, which I like that. But uh, it's gonna be an interesting to see, like, yeah, five years going forward here. You know? Yeah. Um, when the Bucks get in the ring, Orange Cassidy no sells their uh, muscle pose, giving them the <laughs> yeah. limp kicks and getting double super kicks out of the ring for his efforts. I thought the limp kicks to the Bucks was so funny. So here's the thing: 2019, Roman says, "Why is this loser so over? <laughs> I hate the Aviators." I hate his Canadian tuxedo. <laughs> Canadian tuxedo, yes, too. Which, for anyone who doesn't know, is all denim everything. Um, and I have no idea what these kicks are supposed to be. Good, kick his ass out of here so people who I can actually wrestle can be wrestled. Yeah, and like me, the child of me is like, no, man, that's fucking hilarious. I was so wrong. It maybe took me four years to get there. Yeah. But I was so, so wrong. Here you are, um, freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy mark. And I will, I, I'm sure one day we'll talk about it, but I will give it to Taz for really, like, getting him over from with me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about that in yeah. a future episode. But the match starts. Um, Nick and Trent start things off with Nick trying to use his speed to gain an early advantage, avoiding a lariat and taking Chuck Taylor off the apron, then going for the apron to hit Trent in the ring with a springboard face buster. Yeah, and Nick tags Matt in, and they start double-teaming Trent, giving him a backbreaker and a rolling neckbreaker combo. Yes. Matt goes for Chuck on the apron so that Nick can hit him with a dropkick. With both men down, the Bucks uh, mock the best friends by hugging in the middle of the ring, doing their kind of heel shit. Yeah, and so actually the move that they do uh, to Chuck is called the Doomsday Knee. Mm-hmm. Which is so they get him when they get him on their shoulders like that. It's a called the Doomsday position because of the Legion of Doom. Yeah, with the Doomsday drop, which was a clothesline uh, from that position. Okay. Um, they go for stereotopes, but get blocked by the best friends, who then maul them on the outside. Mm-hmm. Trent and Nick go on the apron, and Chuck puts Nick up on his shoulders as they hit a Doomsday knee from the apron mm-hmm. on the outside too. Uh, there's a lot of moves in quick succession, but there's still room to breathe and sell. You know, like. The first match, if they did a move like this, they'd immediately go into the next yeah. sequence. Whereas this is like Nick's on the floor. He gets rolled into the ring. They give him like one. It's not like they do a Randy Horton headlock that lasts like Yeah, five minutes, they just take a breath and Take a breath. Moves. Grab a hold. It's called, you know, it's just a simple, that's yeah. the expression. But it is really just grab a hold. Yeah. Because then, yeah. And take then, a second. And then, you know, Trent starts working on Matt in the ring and he's chopping him into the corner. And then he whips Matt into the opposite corner, but Matt jumps over the post and hits Chuck with a DDT on the apron. Yeah. Look painful. Very. Orange distracts Matt on the outside, which opens him up to a baseball slide from Chuck. Mm-hmm. Um, Excalibur calls Orange Cassidy laconic and sloth-like, which really <laughs> makes Shivani pop. Like JR, JR and, Sh- and Shivani. You're right. They both absolutely love his verbiage and his, his perspicacity, and they both repeat it in delight and surprise, like each individually. Very, very laconic and sloth-like is Orange Cassidy, if you couldn't tell. He's laconic, Tony, damn it. And he's sloth-like. Yes. Slothy. (laughs) I love it. Right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Big knee right to the sternum. Bar leg hooked. Near fall. Excalibur, that's some good stuff, buddy. Keep it up, man. We love it. Hey, man, words exist for a reason. Yes, absolutely. We love it. We're a team here, buddy. (laughs) 
Savani's like laconic, and so I was like, and Slothnack. A perspicacity. A perspicacity. Man, you and Excalibur right now. Hey, look, Lisa Simpson crosswords. burned that word into my ma- into my brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this did seem like a really sweet bonding moment for the commentary table, particularly Shivani and Excalibur, and I was really moved by that. Yeah, and I love I love the humility of Excalibur just being like, no, that's why we're a team. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, the Bucks are in control as the crowd starts a small the elite, the the elite. Uh, Trent takes a Ric Flair Irish rip into the corner, which is when he flips over it, and then walks right into the three Northern Light suplexes from Matt. But as Matt goes for a fourth, a little greedy, yeah. he gets too close to the ropes, and Trent uses the corner to hit a tornado DDT. Yeah, this was a really cool spot. I really love the locomotion suplexes. They're so powerful looking. Yeah. Um, it was a fun reversal, too. And it always looks like it's like it's hard on Matt, but it's so worth doing. Like yeah. It's, it's a really always impressive. Yeah, I love all forms of suplexes. Uh, the Bucks recover, though, and Nick sends Trent back into the corner and hits a rising knee strike. Followed by a mean shining wizard, which is like a running knee uh, when they're on their like on the ground on their knees. Yeah. Know? The match then slows down a little as both teams have worked each other over. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't mean to harp on it, but it's just a nice contrast. Trent tries to hit Nick with a German suplex, but Nick lands on his feet, roundhousing Trent in the face. Then Trent does a 360, grabs the waist again, and this time nails the German and tags in Chuck. Chuck hits the Bucks with a consecutive bellies-to-bellies, then a sliced bread to Nick, and then a sit-out powerbomb to Matt, but only gets a two. Ooh. This is heating up a lot, yep. and the crowd is into this. Chuck gets caught alone with the Bucks, but manages to toss Matt to the outside and hit a falcon arrow on Nick for another near fall. Chuck goes up to the top with Matt, and Trent shows up out of nowhere to give Matt an avalanche German. Uh, as we come back from commercial break, Nick runs in and gets hit with a soul food half-and-half followed by a big hug that lets the ref get caught in between them. Yeah, lots of ref interference in this show. Yeah, so the hu- at least at least this explains why the ref couldn't see it, as that's, opposed yeah, to just fair. choosing to ignore it <laughs> and or enforce rules that are not part of the match. Uh, there's none of that this week, at least. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, all the rules were consistent. I guess not in that first tag match, but anyway. The hug distraction gives Orange Cassidy the chance to take out Nick on the outside with a sloth drop from the apron. As Trent hits Matt with a strong zero, but Nick is just able to break up the three count. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chuck picks up Matt and for another Doomsday knee, but Matt lands on his feet. So impressive. Mm-hmm. And super kick, super kick, and a super kick party mm-hmm. to both guys. And Nick does a gorgeous Escalera to the outside on Trent and Orange, and then hits Chuck with the more bang for your buck moonsault combos for a well-earned three count. Yes. The excellent tag match. Both teams look really impressive. I would argue the last sequence of this match, or few sequences of this match, were just as effective as all of the moves in the first match. Um, <laughs> you know, just to say, mm. like, this is where you put those mm-hmm. that kind of intensity in a match, Yeah, right? it's kind of like an interesting sort of... Don't let it plateau from the start. Yeah, like a case study in pacing tag team matches. Absolutely. This but is... also it could potentially be the Lucha. Like, are they playing by Lucha rules? If so, tell us that. But the rules are not necessarily pacing, right? It's You don't need the rules to dictate when someone slows or sells a move or takes a hold. That's true. Right? And so that, and it, and, you know, as much as I'm, I am making a comparative judgment, it's also in an in an effort as always to prove that these matches have psychology to them mm-hmm. and guys like Cornette or these old timers who think there's too much or too little no there's more nuance to this than they give credit for and yeah. this definitely shows that yeah uh 
uh, again, after the match, the Bucks pick up a microphone, tell Santana and Ortiz that they accept the challenge that they laid out last week. Right. So they're Which, going... oddly, didn't get mentioned at all during the match by commentary, and so I completely forgot about it until they mentioned it. Yeah, which I think was good, because I, I think I had fun with this, sure. this uh, tag match. Um, then we get a promo package for Britt Baker. Yeah, the doctor's in. Yes, hometown Pittsburgh native, and they put over both her wrestling and dental careers. Uh, making them seem on equal level of challenge and, and accomplishment, which, which yeah, I, I like agree that. with, for yeah. sure. Um, they're making Brett seem like a big deal tonight, as they should. She and Jamie Hayter are greatly missed in 2020. But, again, tonight, in 2019, yes. where she's going up against Jamie Hayter. Which, 2024 Ramen was like, I did not remember her wrestling at all at AEW at this point. Yeah, and this is actually her debut with AEW. Wow. So, at this point, she was actively wrestling with Stardom out of Japan. Sure, of uh, And she continues there for the rest of 2019 and early 2020. Okay. Uh, then COVID takes her back to RevPro in her native UK. Sure. We don't see her regularly on this podcast until we get to the episodes in the summer of 2021. So Ooh, we're watching the episodes in chronological order, and that's probably why you didn't remember her early because we're she gonna doesn't show up much. We yeah, I think we see her in maybe one other match a few weeks down the road here. Okay. But um, you know, the appearance wise, she's giving us like dark goth. Um, and you know, I did one round of bleach for a split dye look on her hair. Uh, which actually looks really cool on her and yeah. suits her skin tone. And she so. looks like she looks like Seth Rollins' old hair, but when it's like the dye is fading. Yeah, it's like a muted bleach, which yeah. I, I love, and I love her look for her debut at AEW. Her gear isn't my favorite—the all black and like the random straps. She kind of looks like a Tomb Raider dominatrix. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not all right. Calm down. Jamie has some of the strongest-looking legs in wrestling, though, and and I don't mean that in like the JR way. I just mean like wrestling is a top-heavy sport. You don't often see equally de- proportioned legs muscularly. Yeah. And she is, a st- like, they are tree trunks. Well, I've she, always been so impressed by her, bo- like, lower body. She, yeah, she appears proportioned to carry, like, more weight <laughs> on her bottom section. She definitely lifts heavy on leg day. Yeah. Um, but Britt Baker comes out to a huge ovation. Uh, she, she gets her entrance fireworks. Finally. And she's accompanied by Steely McBeam. Okay. Who is the mascot for the Pittsburgh Steelers NFL team. Britt has a white bedazzled blazer that has Britsburg on the back, nice. uh, accented with the Pittsburgh black and gold. Black and yellow, black and yellow. Yeah, they're the only city in North America where their professional sports team are all black and yellow, and I fucking love Pittsburgh for that no-nonsense level of coordination on that front. Um, and then we're told that she had a study spot in an atrium above the gymnasium where this whole event is happening. Interesting, and I that seems that. To, Yeah, that seems to make it extra special for Brit, and she definitely deserves this homecoming. That's beautiful, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, commentary comments on it. I can't the, remember who did. The but. crowd absolutely loves Brett. Um, as soon as the bell rings, these two start fucking wailing on each other. Now, yep. these two are friends. Yeah. Um, and especially become closer as um, time goes on. But Hater and Tony Storm, especially, also are very, very close friends. They used to live together. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, there's some, there's some, there'll be some interesting background stuff for you mm-hmm. in the future when we get to 2021 mm-hmm. AEW. Um, <clears throat> but the much stronger hater takes an early advantage on Brit, tossing her to the outside and ramming her into the ring post. Jamie does a lot of like crybaby taunt uh, <laughs> and mean mugging to the audience, which lets Brit recover from her uh, initial of damage to hit a sling blade on the outside. This one looked really good. Brit rolls Jamie into the ring, getting a couple of roll up near falls as we go into and uh, the next commercial obligation. Jamie, during the obligation, she sits on Brit's back. And then gives her a wet willy, which was just uh-huh. nasty. Uh-huh. See, 
No, I had a good laugh about I that. Did. The 12-year-old in me was like, ha, 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 ha. Wow, you, you, were you a bully? Did you wet willy people? Were you edgy? <laughs> I didn't wedgy people. But you wanted to. You I probably, you I might have, I might have wet willied some That's people on my disgusting. time. That's disgusting. I thought you, I knew you. This might be the second rule of cool I noticed. I wasn't paying much attention, but I anyway. Don't think, I don't know that there's a DQ to wet willy someone. I don't know either. I don't think I'm so. Curious. Like, it's certainly like, unsports. It's, it's gross. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's not. Like, it's, un it's unsportsmanlike. It's <laughs> the man is short for human. <laughs> I know. I just know. <laughs> we have as we come back from obligation, we get the boo yay punches. Uh, these were genuinely knocking each other back. Yeah, yeah. with the strikes. Um, yeah. Jamie then jumps on Britt's back for a sleeper hold, but Britt does a trust fall to shake Jamie <laughs> off, basically making Jamie do a back. Fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Britt hits an awkward sling blade for two. This one. Uh, wasn't as good. She didn't get quite a lot of elevation on it, and she starts to look a little gas. Yeah, and it was also around this point that Britt was trying really hard to get Hater positioned right. for a swinging neckbreaker, but Hater kept maneuvering out, and I noticed that Hater was definitely looking like maybe the more experienced wrestler at this point in the match. Which she probably would be, I feel like. Well, um, they started actually around the same time, 2015. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, they both started around 2015. Jamie Hater is a little bit younger than Britt, I think, by a few years, but mm. not by much. Britt tries to hit Hater with a Northern Lights, but Hater counters with a Northern Lights bomb for two. Jamie starts for Jamie then starts to show some frustration from that kick out because it was a devastating move. Mm. Gouging Britt's eyes to get space and then climb the middle rope, the most dangerous rope. <laughs> but Britt won't be deterred, catching Jamie for an avalanche brain buster. She hits Hater with a thrust kick. Then follows up with an ace crusher and a swinging neckbreaker for a really close near fall. Yeah, and that was a really nice swing neckbreaker. I was, she, when she landed it, it was good. I was surprised by that ace crusher, too. You don't see that a lot. Yeah. Britt hits a wobbly hater with a super kick, then clasps Jamie into the lockjaw for a quick tap out. The doctor is in and wins in Britsburg. Britsburg! Um, a great showing by Britt, more polished than her previous uh, encounters with just a small flub in that sloppy sling blade, but she was amazing. Yeah, definitely feeling her oats in Britsburg. Yeah, she had a lot of confidence exuding out of her tonight. Um, Hater was a pleasant surprise and showed a ton of physicality and poise yeah. and power. She, I felt like her, her mean mugging and stuff was a bit, uh, came off a bit like, I really need to, to put to an put, effort here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I was actually to, really impressed by Hater's stamina in this match. Agreed, um, yeah. Like, again, she is a couple years younger than Britt, but both Jamie Hater and Britt Baker started their wrestling careers in 2015. So, I mean, Britt is... I feel like wrestling in NXT and wrestling in stardom are two very... Yeah, things. yeah. So, and yeah, Hater, again, we'll see her, I think, maybe once more this year, but then she doesn't come back to AEW until 2021. Well, I will miss her until she comes back. <laughs> I uh, hate to see her leave, but love to see her come back. Um, <laughs> we then go over the brawl that broke out at the top of the hour, as Cody is said to be in a quote-unquote holding facility at the University of Pittsburgh campus for now. I did not know they had a dungeon. Oh, it's a holding facility. <laughs> yes, I'm interpreting this is... as he's taken to a security office and put in a okay. little jail cell, okay. like kind of drunk tank style. Sure, um, sure. And again, in terms of kayfabe street justice, I think that the whole causing a disturbance, which again is a crime in Canada, sure. of civilians at this brawl again. Unless there is, you're a never mind. Yeah, there. You know, these civilians that aren't involved in the street justice are disturbed by what's happening. So yeah, they I seem think, real disturbed with their wooing. I think this warranted a cooling off period in the drunk tank. There's no mention of criminal charges because street justice reigns supreme, and that is not a legal opinion or legal advice. Yeah. Uh, when we we then go to the locker room with 
whoever the fuck Jen Decker is, um, <laughs> where she is interviewed interviewing Jamie Hader about the loss, but before Jay Hader can say anything, Brandy beats her down and gives Jen a furious face. She like knocks Brit uh Hader out and then just like wags her finger at Yeah, and I thought you were gonna give me something no, I don't remember. about this, no, but like was Hader hired by Brandy to beat up Britt Baker? I don't, I don't know what happened. I'm missing something. There's no explanation given like, to the viewer. We watched Dynamite last week. That was yeah, not great. This this detracted from what I found to be an enjoyable women's wrestling match. Yeah, I don't know what the hell that it was. It was fucking weird. Anyways. Yeah, match number six, the main event. Yes, this is a singles match for TV time remaining. John Moxley versus the Bastard Pack. Mm-hmm. I got shivers at the thought of this match. These two are going to beat the piss out of each mm-hmm, other. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they didn't take a piss first. <laughs> uh, because otherwise they'll just pay, pay, be dust, I guess. Um, just as I thought that, Pac interrupts Moxley's entrance with a blindsided chair shot to the back of the head. <laughs> the crowd chants, asshole, as he chokes Moxley with his own jacket. Uh, Beast. I mean, they didn't chant bastard, which I find odd. <laughs> right? Uh, uh, <laughs> but Shivani is disgusted with this bastard. Maybe they chanted bastard and I misheard it. No, definitely not. <laughs> Pac is pissed at Moxley for betraying him during the tag match on last week's Dynamite. So Mox gave his tag partner a uh, death rider and walked out of the match. And so Pac's undefeated AEW record has an asterisk. He is undefeated in singles competition only. So, yeah, like you said, this match is going to be deadly. Look, all Pac had to do was high-five him. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> is that what would have solved the problem? I think so. Uh, and, and here we are today. Despite the beatdown, uh, Mox rolls into the ring and the bell rings. Pac hits an immediate enziguri and goes for the black arrow very quickly, but mm-hmm. Mox smartly rolls out to the outside. Pac hits a running corkscrew prancha to Mox on the outside, landing on his feet as if he walked on air. Uh, Mox is disoriented from this assault and hurting as Pac starts picking him apart in the ring, hitting low drop kicks, elbow drops, mm-hmm. um, ch- stopping on the on the digits, things like that. Suddenly, Moxley bullies Pac into the corner and stomps a mud hole on him, but he doesn't have the stamina to keep it going, so Pac quickly gets back uh, his momentum with kicks mm. to the midsection, followed by a running knee to knock Moxley back down. Yeah, Pac is c- completely in control at this point, and JR says, the battling Brit feels he's been wronged, He's remorseless and cold. My JR impersonation is not as good as yours. But again, commentary notes here that the pre-bell beating is an effective strategy for winning and getting vengeance. Shivani says, no, I think he's just a bastard. But what do you think? Is Pac cold and calculating, or is he just an angry bastard? I mean, he can be both. Why not both? Yeah, why can't he be angry (laughs) and also calculating? I guess And also emotionally distant. (laughs) I feel like that seems to go together. It seems like a good triforce of abuse. Wow. <clears throat> Honestly, uh, I think Pac wants to be feared. That's part of the storytelling agreed, that he's agreed. giving. He's undefeated in singles competition. As we come back from obligation, Pac gives Moxley a buzzsaw kick and a standing shooting star. Eventually, Mox and Pac find each other fighting on the apron, but suddenly Moxley hits Pac with a bulldog DDT on the apron. Mm. He fucking spikes him. Yep. Uh, both men are now wobbly in the ring slugging each other out with strong style elbows to the and mm-hmm, forearms mm-hmm. to the collarbone. Mox hits Pac with a lariat, but Pac comes back with a stiff kick. He runs at Moxley off the ropes, but gets caught with a clothesline that flips him inside out, yes. and now they're starting to beat the piss out Beautiful of each other. Beautiful ragdoll selling by Pac here. Absolutely. The Rikishi bump. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, Mox tries to hit Pac with a regal knee, but Pac rolls out of the ring in perfect position for Moxley to hit a tope for no reason. <laughs> we suddenly hear a five-minute warning as Mox hits a black hole slam on Pac, followed by the Shining Wizard, but only gets a two. And that is five minutes of TV time remaining, as if we needed to add an extra element of intensity to this wrestling match. But it, it really effective. The, as it soon as really... That, like, as soon as that five-minute warning went off, you and I were both like, oh, what? Shit. Yeah, really? Yeah. What? <laughs> uh, Moxley then hits Pac with a Texas Cloverleaf. Pac grabs the ropes quickly, very quickly. We get a four-minute warning, and the urgency causes Moxley to take a risk going up top to the turnbuckle, which he's not very familiar with. Yes. But he's not comfortable there, and Pac hits him with an avalanche toss and arrow for his trouble. This is the other part in the, sh- in the show tonight where Mox lands really rough. Yeah. This, he lands on his side, too, and it does not look good. Um, he doesn't get enough elevation to get a full twist, so he just kind of lands right on his kidney. Yeah, we can see from the replay that his foot slips off the turnbuckle a little bit early. Slippy Nakazawa shit. again with the baby oil. Slippy shit. Slippy oh, shit. Oh, boy. Um, but these guys are professionals. You know, they make it look, uh, you know, they make it work. They make it, you know, no it issues It doesn't detract from it. No, it doesn't no, no. detract from the match at all. That's no. right. Uh, Pac goes back up to the top turnbuckle for the Black Arrow. But Mox rushes him, forcing him to jump down, and that's when we get the two-minute mark as Moxley rolls up Pac for a two-count. Yeah, maybe it's just my anxiety about timers generally, but honestly, I'm feeling the frenzy of this match right now. It's not just you. JR's, even JR is like, at this point, he's advocating cheating. <laughs> yeah. He's like, if I'm Moxley, I'm grabbing the tights. Get the win and get out of yeah, here. Legit. What the fuck, JR? <laughs> It's getting to a match. Yeah, we're in 14A now. We don't need to fucking follow the rules. <laughs> two minutes to midnight. <laughs> Mox gets low bridged to the outside, and Pac hits him with a 450 splash from the apron. Yeah, the camera cuts to, like, a woman standing there fucking, what? Yeah, just mouth again. Yeah, that could have been a shot of me at that moment. Totally. Pac rolls Moxley back into the ring for another Black Arrow attempt, but a slight hesitation means that nobody's home as Moxley rolls out of the ring. We get the one-minute warning, and the crowd is getting antsy. They are on their feet. Yep, yep, yep. Mox crawls over Pac to get the cover, but it's a 2.9. As both men are wobbly on their knees, Mox hits a paradigm shift out of nowhere. Fans are on their feet as Mox rolls Pac over the cover as we get to the seven-second count. But Pac kicks out, and the match goes to a draw. Moxley is furious and gives the ref a paradigm shift as the crowd freaks out. Freaks out. The bell goes. 2019 Ramen absolutely loved this. This was the moment that I was like, all right, JR, you were right. Time <laughs> limits are a great idea. Yeah. Because I want round two. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. This, it's not that I, I did not, I understand if some people did. I did not come away from this frustrated. I came away from yeah. this being like, so this is what we're going to do. Yeah. This is what this show is going to be. These two are going to, these guys, competitors, all the competitors yeah, on the show are going to be at a level where round one is the whole match. This sort like, of, I love that. Yeah, the sort of countdown thing really had an intense emotional effect on people generally. Uh, you know, it certainly worked on both of us. And, um, you know, the possible outcome being a draw, like, I was kind of losing my mind at that. And I reviewed the ma- the stats and this match length. Uh, the main event was only 12 minutes and 20 wow. seconds long. 
and and because they ran out of TV time. Sure. So sitting there in hindsight, prepping to do this podcast, I'm wondering why didn't they give the main event grudge match at least 15 to 20 minutes well, of airtime? Give a lot of time but matches. At the same time, we're set up for this feud, like you've said accurately. We're set up for this feud to continue, and that's what AEW needs right now: are storylines. Tag team betrayal grudge match that ends in a draw is a really great story to build on for future episodes. Yeah. So, uh, but again, I think the length of this match explains why we got a freezing cold open, in my opinion. <laughs> I think I think the multiple tag team matches is why we got a freezing cold open. I think the length of this match didn't need to be longer than 10 minutes. I think it's smart for them to say TV, like, to be honest, if this match was 5 to 10 minutes longer, I think the, the countdown would be less effective. It would be it would be more of a sour taste because you would have enough time for the match to have ended. Mm. This did feel like we were just getting into the third act of the match yeah. when the buzzer ran, and I think that was a really smart decision on their part. I think I think they probably could have cut the Cody segment a bit a bit because I think that probably went. Long. But no, but again, yeah, okay. So like again, if they're gonna cut a minute from something to do that, and I intro... think I think there may be more to this in in terms of like. Maybe they were preempted from from basketball. Maybe they had an, too many advertising spots they had to fill. Things like that. I don't know that it's necessarily because I don't feel like any of the matches were rushed. No, it didn't feel ru- well. Again, when the five minute buzzer went on this main event, I was like, "What?" Sure, sure, and that's why I think like I that's what being I was like, like. What the fuck well, are we I, here? We haven't even started. And I remember saying to myself when when we were watching when they said TV time remaining, I was like. Usually they say something and then or TV time remains. Yeah. Which is what they do now. Yeah. But yeah, so it kind of was an interesting, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, but I think if it went longer, it actually would have hindered the finish more. Because well, we're, no, we're left wanting more versus we're left wanting a finish. I, I ultimately, I agree with you because it needed to end this way for the storytelling. Sure. Um, but you know, here we are being like, okay, we don't even get like an in like the, there's no dynamite intro, like. <laughs> but it, but I mean, it, I think it does help that it was a really intense match where like either man could win. Yes, it wasn't yeah. an underdog situation where we get like a dusty finish, mm-hmm. which you were just recently introduced to. Yes. Yeah. Uh, with the TNT title, this is a match where we absolutely want to see it again, and we want to see a definitive winner. Yeah. Um, and after we go off air. Uh, Pac tries to pilmanize Mox's neck, but God comes out to save him. <laughs> Kenny runs down and gets Pac out of the ring, and then Mox and Kenny stare each other down as Pac tries to intercede, and they both clothesline him out of the ring to the outside. The enemy of the enemy is my friend. <laughs> uh, as Pac walks up the ramp, Hangman appears. Pac runs through the crowd and, and out of harm's way as Hangman goes into the ring and cuts a promo on Pac, saying he looks like a big guy with a chair in his hands, but he doesn't look so big when he's kicked him in the balls to pin him or in D.C. when Hangman pinned his ass. He demands a rematch with Pac, November 9th at full gear, the bastard versus Hangman, and I will buckshot your damn head off. <laughs> uh, so the man, many storylines in the top card of, of uh, AEW, yeah. and you will never have it. <laughs> Highlights? This was a very entertaining show. I would say that, oddly, I think my low light is the first match of the night, and that's not even to say it's a bad match. That's fair. Um, I think it's a, a very uh, new, new team trying to show themselves. 
prove themselves versus a fairly veteran team who can keep up with their pace. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think that that pace necessarily succeeded for them. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the best match of the night arguably is the Bucks and uh, best friends match. Okay. Which is uh, uh, the pro of that is like, it's an, it's to me, it is like the prototypical AEW slash modern style of tag team wrestling. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Indie, if you want to call it that, because that's where right. it's kind of... Right, and especially because they have a, like, give the people what they want, the tag right. team wrestling. Exactly. I think, I think it, I think that match really kind of stylistically and in terms of the spots and the pacing was the best match of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was to pick an MVP, um, I would say Moxley, because I think his selling throughout that match was mm-hmm. excellent. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent. You know, at this point, people were saying he's the best wrestler in the world yeah. in 2019, and I could matches like this gave a really good case because you know as I will Kenny is always going to be an asterisk on that list for me anyway yeah but between the two of them like I think in the last few weeks he's done the best work um, he has the most feels like he has the most proof right. probably yeah probably because um, he's coming in very well known well and because he's coming from WWE yes. and he's made this choice. And I think this match, he did... Gave up so much fucking money. Yeah, yeah. Um, but really, like, he did a lot of great selling. I would... And a lot of um, intensity and really picked it up when the when the clock started ringing. Like, mm-hmm. his ability to be both beat up and hurt, but also feel like he's rushing to make a pin is yeah, really the impressive. Intense, the, in- the desperation of while, it. While not running towards it, yes, right? Yes, like, While mm, making it seem natural and not nuance. like a forced desperation. Ex- exactly. So I think he would be my 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 uh, dynamite diamond this week. Dynamite diamond. Yeah. Um, I'm only Honorable gonna... mention to Britt. Fair. Um, I'm going to mention positive things. The, the one, one of the highlights um, was really the storytelling yes, this week. We're I having... Agree. Fun with the Cody and Jericho Street Justice. Um, Pack and Moxley in our very serious blood feud. Uh, you know, of course, we have the tag team finals and Christopher Daniels being injured. You know, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but you just made a really good point, which is that this is the first time in this feud between Cody and Jericho where I felt like it was fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was that's really, a really fun. That's a great point. Yeah. And again, I think it, it, it and that's why I, I'm really glad you suggested that I do the list of Jericho deep dive yeah. because it kind of emulates that energy yes. that list of Jericho had. Which is what? In terms of the gimmick and like the heelishness and the absurdity of him being the sort of leader of the inner circle and like having this box to watch wrestling right. and like, you know, he's, uh, it's just, it's, it's so much, it's so much personality, which is what yes. this people missing the last Yes. Week. And so like with the storytelling was a real highlight this week. Um, in terms of matches, I think the women's match, because Britt was glowing in her hometown, mm-hmm. and Jamie Hayter was really high stamina. Absolutely. Gosh, and that, pleasant surprise. Yeah, that hits with me on several levels. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that my um, AEW, what are we calling her, Diamond? Dynamite Diamond. Dynamite Diamond is, in fact, Jamie Hayter for her debut Fair. with AEW tonight. So great. great stamina, great agility, and uh, we... Well, obviously haven't seen the last of her. No, no, we haven't. Uh, That was Dynamite this week. Uh, We are so grateful to have you all here with us again and to be recording this again. We, We took a bit of a hiatus for a variety of reasons, including getting COVID and and 
just holidays. holidays and yeah. Just... Yeah. And then the holidays came and we're like, okay. Yeah. 2024. Let's get on to this. Let's get back on to we this. We do. We do. We're we passionate about this. creating this. Yeah. We've really had yeah. a lot of fun creating this. Um, we're gonna be putting out some shorts on Threads and Instagram and YouTube pretty soon, hopefully. Um, if the software stops fighting me. Um, <laughs> and uh, if you want to reach us and make any, uh, give us your comments or your opinions or anything like that or something you want us to read on the air, um, email us at wannawatchaew at gmail.com. You can find our Instagram and threads and uh, YouTube at wannawatchaew. If you want to send us a buck or toonie, uh, you can find our Patreon at WannaWatchAW, but of course, as always, your your listenership is enough for us. Um, if you can please just give us a review or rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Podcast Addict seems to be the replacement for Stitcher now. So uh, yeah, give whatever. us a rating or review because that is the best way that you can help us. Um, so that we can land on other wrestling fans' algorithms. Yeah, tell the World Wide Web that you like us. Yes, and uh, that we don't plagiarize. Um, <laughs> stop doing that. You're going to give yourself a concussion. <laughs> that one did really hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Half masked today. <laughs> I don't know that that's the way we want to describe that. It's very ambiguous. Yeah. You don't like that? You don't like the ambiguity and being at half masked hey, hey, hey. on any given Sunday? I've got no problem with ambiguity, all right? You're not going to pigeonhole me into some sort of. You're okay. the homophobe here. We got a good. Between the two of us. Do we have a good. <laughs> okay. <laughs>